So, hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have uh, great guests. We have uh, an historian. We have Daniel Bessner, who is an assistant professor of American foreign policy and the Henry M. School Jackson of, of, of International Studies at the University of Washington. And he's also the author of Hans Spire and the Rise of the Defense Intellectual. So we are here to, to talk about a topic that I have called history and its discontents uh, since last year in the publication about uh, the, the crisis in, in history majors, the decline of history majors. There have been a lot of, of discontent in, in, in from historians. Also, there have been a lot of discontents from historians for the lack of tenure professors. And at the same time, there have been Dinesh de Sousa and, 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 and Max Booth and other conservative uh, writers have been attacking historians for being partisan. So I think we, we we're going to discuss this with Daniel. So hi, Daniel. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being invited on. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so what do you think about the article that Benjamin Schmidt uh, published last, last, last year and that it started all the conversation of history that history's uh, majors are kind of declining. Right, and uh, remind me, what did Schmidt blame it, blame it on? Um, I think, if I'm not wrong, the the issue was that that a lot of people, particularly in the financial crisis, start to see the that that going to college was something that that they should be more. Quote unquote, right. uh, um, professionalized yes, about yeah. that type of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that is that is definitely true. Uh, but I think that the financial crisis was really the culmination of a decades-long trend, uh, part of sort of this neoliberal shift in American culture and American political economy, whereby sort of skills, technology, STEM education began to be considered the uh, what it meant to be a, a, an activist capitalist subject in, in the political economy. And so more humanistic knowledge, uh, knowledge that is not as quantified, knowledge that is not as focused on models and, uh, models and systems like, like the more quantitative social sciences like economics uh, and other social sciences that have tried to be more scientific, like um, quote-unquote scientific, I should add, like political science and sociology, um, that, that humanities uh, education was less worthwhile than those sorts of education. And I think that really came to a head with the financial crisis of 2008, when the lack of jobs really understandably, I should add, made people worry about their future in an uh, increasingly desperate capitalist economy. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 obviously true, but the, the issue is like a, a lot of uh, a complexity that, that is happening, I, I guess, not, not only in the U.S., but also in other parts of, of, of the funding of humanities and the place that humanities uh, have and particularly history. And, and it seems that in, in the Trump era, uh, history seems more relevant. Uh, there was a, an article some time ago that, that now in jail, the most popular major was history. But some people mentioned that probably the, the average student of Yale is not someone who is worried necessarily about what he's going to do next. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the average student of Yale has. I mean, you could you could be a history major and still get your job at Goldman Sachs or McKinsey. I don't think they're particularly worried about that. I think that says literally nothing about the state of history um, in 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 a, in a nationwide context. I think that I think that's true. Yeah. So so, how do you think that that has a relationship with with the issue of of the crisis in tenure track? Uh, 
right. uh, jobs. Do you think that it also has a relationship? Because obviously, if there are less students, there are going to be less professors. Well, I think I think that we have to disaggregate a couple of different um, sort of facts, which is the relative decline of history majors doesn't necessarily mean uh, also the same relative decline in history classes. So it's from what I can tell from my admittedly sort of cursory anecdotal research, it does seem that there are plenty of history classes being offered. And certainly there are many history classes being taught by people who are just on, not on the tenure track, who have these adjunct positions uh, that are, as I said in this article I recently wrote for the Chronicle of Edu uh, Higher Education, uh, under pretty bad conditions for, for most people, uh, most history PhDs in this country, either being poorly paid, either requiring them to move between various different college campuses in the course of a day or two, uh, oftentimes separated from family, uh, most of the time without benefit. Um, so I think that we have to be careful not to say that the decline of history majors necessarily means a decline in tenure track jobs because there are still a lot of history classes being taught. Um, they're just being taught by non-tenure track professors. Uh, now, uh, that is not to say that we shouldn't be worried about the decline in history majors, particularly from a civic uh, position. I think that uh, history is very important, not only for its ability to get you a job, which I also think we should, um, you know, is, is actually not true necessarily that, you know, majoring in communications or majoring in economics. That will get you less of a job is something that, that is problematic for history people. But I think it's careful that we don't then go from there to arguing in favor that, um, uh, to, to, to arguing that history needs to be quote unquote relevant, i.e. that you only study political, military, or economic history, which is of course what I, what I do study, but I think there's uh, a very important space for the types of histories that have been uh, more dominant in the profession over the last 30 years, particularly cultural history. Um, it doesn't seem that many people do social history anymore, but I think cultural history and the history of, of sort of a race, uh, gender, sexuality, class, all of these things are absolutely central to the study of, of, a, of a broader American history. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because I think you, you were in the in the Thaddeus Russell podcast and, and it, it was, when I read the that, that book, A Renegade History of, of the United States, it was one of the first history books that, that I read that mentioned prostitution in quite some detail. And it's right. really curious. And it's, it's a topic that for different reasons is not that much researched, but as now we are seeing with the with the Kamala Harris campaign was basically a, a candidate that has based her campaign on, on on trying to conflate sex war with sex trafficking and and, and now a lot of uh, of sex workers activists are, are are pointing to to the history of sex work which which is very weird because it's sometimes uh, things that, that are not done by historians but sometimes by by NGOs or sometimes by sociologists or or other social scientists rather but still to point out how this policies of criminalization and it's it and there are other issues that that, that are the other yeah, I think Thomas Russell is kind of the, the the image of this historian of the renegades of, of this kind of dissidence of this kind of, of characters that are out of the of the picture I, I um, there are some some recent books about the history of anarchists which uh, biographical, biograph biographical, historical biographies used to be of presidents and, and other, other kind of characters, but now we are seeing histories of, of anarchists, and it's it's kind of interesting that certainly yeah. And 
and those are all, I think, very clearly important histories that, that form a larger part of the American fabric that must be taken, or, or really transnational, uh, post-national fabric, however you want to train it, uh, uh, phrase it, that, that really that really is important, and that should certainly be an element of history. So I just want to say, like, I firmly disagree with someone like Max Boots. I, I guess it probably goes without saying that everyone who's listening to this also disagrees, but that it's not like we're... we're, we're um, our problems are not due to the lack of a teaching of political and military history. Um, I just want to, you know, make clear that that's kind of an absurd uh, statement, which isn't to say that political and military history aren't important. I think they very clearly are uh, important to uh, understanding what goes on in the world. Um, but I think there needs to be a place for all histories, and there, are, I think there is enough of a place for all histories, frankly. I think that people are interested in these various types of histories uh, that, that need to be taught. But the problem is with the lack of tenure-track jobs, we're, we're not only losing you know, the, um, the, peop- the people who are suffering from this lack of employment, which is obviously very important, but we're also losing uh, – think of how many books are not going to be written or how many dissertations will never be written. So we're really losing an enormous amount, both in terms of our intellectual, culture, and, and political heritage as human beings due to this, this jobs crisis that, that isn't really a jobs crisis per se. And how do you see this, this tenure track crisis? Because some people said that, that there is that this crisis is because uh, the, the rise of the administrator class, like uh, in, in our times, for example, the university president used to be a, a, a professor in the university and sometimes even told one class, or, but now they are right. hired from other universities and they came with a very large staff and, 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 and it, it, it kind of have the, the, the management of the university has changed and that has led to, to a very different perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the rise of, this, uh, as many historians of capitalism and political economy have demonstrated, the rise of the shareholder revolution in the 70s and 80s, uh, where companies became less concerned with um, you know, their workers or American society and more concerned with uh, pleasing shareholders has informed the uh, development of the uh, American university. Uh, so what might be termed, uh, and it certainly has been termed, I'm sure, uh, the neoliberal university, so where the Board of Regents basically comes in for shareholders and the Board of Regents is increasingly occupied with business people, um, people from the community, and not necessarily academics or intellectuals, uh, and they're more concerned with, uh, with various corporate you know, projects, whether it's to increase a university's presence abroad, to increase the return on its endowment, to increase the number of private donors, uh, which I think well, ends up having a perverse effect on the university structure and particularly uh, moves governance away from the faculty. So I think this is a very big problem going forward that uh, basically faculty, particularly tenure track faculty who have the uh, ability to, you know, the, the, the job safety or at least the relative job safety. We all know what happened with Stephen Salida, uh, more safety certainly than contingent faculty, postdocs, graduate students and assistant professors. I think it's up to them to really organize uh, in various spaces throughout the country in order to bring together um in, really in order to force a, a re-embrace of faculty governance at the uh, administrative and university level. Um, I mean, the, the problem is is that, at least in my own experience, and I don't know what your experience is like, is um, that there really does seem to be a lack of solidarity uh, amongst historians, um, at least, and I'm sure this is true in other fields, where, where a strike, let alone a general strike, is something that is not even considered serious. It's an unserious position. You know, it's outside the quote-unquote Overton window. Um, so I think absent that sort of solidarity, I don't see how uh, the tenure-track job 
jobs crisis, which I think is a symptom of a larger, the larger crisis of the American university will ever be fixed. Yeah, also, I mean, there, there are issues like, for example, a coach sometimes, I don't remember which university, but there was the news that one coach, uh, a basketball coach from one university, right. had, the, had the double of salary that all the professors in the history department of one university. Uh, so it, it right. didn't make much sense. So, so, so how how to, to to put this this in in perspective? Uh, so, um, and this is also has to do with the issue of international students. So, um, I mean, basically outside the U.S. and probably Canada, most people don't know about what what in the U.S. is is, is football. Uh, what in our countries the football is soccer, but. but but in the U.S. is American football, or you know, or, or other sports that, that not necessarily interest uh, international students. So, and and a, a lot of, of, of these issues are are also that had some relationship with with the issue that that also since Marco Rubio started also attacking and, and the Republican attacks on, on higher education have, have uh, made the the statements for for. Uh, for trying to to quote unquote uh, search of of in some ways uh, more uh, practical occupations, but but it's still a very rhetoric point because it's not uh, America doesn't have the the, the the system that has Germany or that has Switzerland of of, of this kind of more technical education. The, the the state of technical education is very weak, so. Uh, it, Yeah, that sort of other. I mean, I think that there, there's nothing wrong with American universities. I, I promoted American universities attracting uh, foreign students. I mean, I, I, I'd like to imagine that, um, how would I phrase it, that the, the university is a cosmopolitan space in which people from all different cultures and nations can come to be educated. I have no problem with that. Uh, uh, whatsoever uh, from a, from from that perspective, and it, and, it, and it's a good thing. I mean, ideally, we should have this, these sorts of cross-cultural interactions in in uh, university spaces. Um, but I think it's important to highlight that this is really a political problem in some sense. With what you were getting at, when the football coach gets paid uh, two million dollars, and the, uh, an adjunct in history gets paid four thousand dollars a class for a total of sixteen thousand dollars or twenty thousand dollars a year, however many they teach. So I think that that is really in some sense a political problem where the people of, for example, in my own state of Washington need to determine that they should fund the university at higher levels and that they should demand that their students, that their children, their, their sons and daughters are taught by, uh, and people of other genders, that goes without saying, uh, are taught by, um, Uh, by, by by tenure track faculty who have job employment and, and who have stability. So in some sense, it's a it's a problem that won't be solved. Um, and this is a point Nils Gilman has made, a very very smart um, uh, a historian, history PhD, and made on Twitter, is that in some sense, I think it's right to say that the crisis of the tenure track professor will not be solved, uh, at least totally internally um, to the university, but is rather a political problem that that has to be a thought in in the it, uh, both sort of in terms of grassroots organizing. On on the streets, but also in the halls of various state and federal uh, state legislatures and the federal legislature itself. Um, so I think it's also important to to um, appreciate the sort of difficult, uh, not the difficult, but rather the complex world in which the tenure track job market is both affected by developments internal to the universe, university, but also external. 
Yeah, but you, in, in your last article, you mentioned libertarians, and there are even some libertarians that are quite, have very curious statements on the issue of, 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 of the tenure track position, because one will think that, that they want to save money, but on the other hand, for example, Greg Reynolds, which, which has been reading about this issue, for example, he complains that, for example, there is a tenure track uh, faculty where there's not tenure track administrator. So, uh, no, not tenure track. Sorry, there are tenure track faculty, but what? I didn't no, cut so up there is uh, adjuncts, there are adjuncts academics, but they're not, uh, there are part time professors, but they're not part time um, administrators like, like the. So yeah. th this rise of, of, of the administration class and, and, and this these issues and, and someone was making the point that for example in in Oxford or Cambridge the, the amount of the administrators that were it was very little and despite that Oxford and Cambridge just still lead in rankings in in, in, in a very in a lot of, 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 of areas and and yeah so, so what do you think that this has led to this uh, is, is there going to be a fight between administrators and and and, and uh, how to professors? Yeah. Um, uh, what has led to it is is a is a difficult question, but I'll broadly answer capitalism, and uh, particularly the end of the Cold War, um, and the the idea that the United States didn't need to fight. Uh, a sort of um, education battle with the Soviet Union. And I think the removal of that incentive, that governmental incentive to fund American universities has been devastating um, to the social sciences and humanities in, in particular. Um, so I think you have the end of the Cold War coupled with this uh, neo emergence of neoliberalism, capitalism on steroids, however you want to refer to it, which has been very critical to engendering this sort of uh, tenure track crisis. Um, but I, I really think the key to it is going to be faculty organization. I think there, there's nothing else that is going to be uh, that, 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 that has any chance of arresting the decline in, in tenure track positions. Um, also, but linked to that sort of, sort of uh, also embedded a more internal development would be, as I think you alluded to with the rise of administrators, which is the corporatization of the university, where you essentially have um, the worst of fetal elements, sort of the mentor-mentee relationship embodied in its worst aspects by uh, the recent Avital Ronell uh, case. You see that sort of um, re yeah. reification of this medieval type of mentor-mentee relationship coupled with this corporatization and this focus on quantification and metrics as a means to measure uh, output, which is... Uh, taken to an absurd, uh, most absurd lands in the United Kingdom with the ref and the tough, but is also evident in the United States with, with uh, things like teaching evaluations, which uh, study after study show uh, harm people of color and uh, women um, and women of color, especially uh, in, in when they are evaluated. So I think you have the, this, this peculiar university system that is medieval, literal medieval sense, sort of the old style um, mentee relationship and also this sort of corporate capitalist structure. Um, so there are lots of tensions inherent in the system, but with absent faculty organization, uh, I just don't see how anything would be changed. Um, and, uh, you know, without sort of a broader call from the American public to have their, their professors be more more justly compensated, um, uh, and more, more justly compensated and, uh, and you know, be in the position to actually teach students uh, in, a, in a really a better fashion. <laughs> Yeah, so how do you see the, the AP courses in, in this issue? Because some blame also the, the AP courses in in the, having uh, 
cut some some classes, but at the same time that it's very rare that a student will save a year. So it will kind of not take one or two classes, but in the long term it wouldn't be a kind of a, of a saving either in economics or time that much. Wait, I, I, what, what's the question? So of AP courses, advanced placement courses in, in high school. Oh, and yeah, the yeah, relationship yeah. With, yeah with, I, with I don't think I don't think we should accept AP courses uh, at the college level. One, because it's a private company and we shouldn't uh, faculty shouldn't allow private companies to determine our pedagogy. But two, I think there's just a fundamental difference between a college level course and a high school level course, just given the structures, which is not to deride high school teachers. I think they do an enormous amount of good work uh, and very important work. But the 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 structure of a college is just fundamentally different than the structure of a high school. Um, and again, I think we really, I really want to underline that uh, outsourcing these sorts of basic level history courses to uh, the advanced placement group, whatever corporation runs that, as I think uh, getting into some of the worst aspects of modern capitalism uh, and also taking power away from historians themselves, who as professional researchers and professional teachers, I think are, are, are more able to determine what is important for, uh, on the department level, what is important for incoming students to learn. I remember Thaddeus Russell also pointed out, I don't remember which episode of, of his podcast, but that also some universities now in, in, the, in, the, in the alumni section that they post, the, the positions where their PhD, uh, former PhD students are, are now uh, are now working. And sometimes some of, of these universities are even putting the the names of, of the of the alumni if they are teaching in high school, which is kind of surprising, but but this is kind of a more more common that 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 uh, in some places, particularly where where there are not many community colleges and things like that. So the only thing that someone with a PhD in particular in history could, could do many times is is uh, teach at high school or something like that. Yeah, no, I think I think that I I think that's right, and I think that's a problem that's going to be that needs to be addressed. I mean, as as I think what you're suggesting is that there are these larger structural issues uh, that require a, t a type of holistic perspective that that we we just really haven't had in recent years. And what I'm hoping is that sort of the total collapse of the tenure track job market will inspire people to to think about some of these issues in in coherent ways and come up with clever solutions to it. Yes, I, I mean it's 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 very interesting. You 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 said that academics should should learn from 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 libertarians in your in your last piece, and and certainly libertarians have have found a very, I mean, with the particular the Koch network is is very very deep ties with with the academy in many ways. I mean, George Mason University is a very very particular kind of case. Is the people sometimes think it's a private institution, but actually it's a Public university, but but basically has been taken over by by the by by the Coke network, and it's it's very curious this kind of developments. Uh, although I understand, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes, please continue. Yeah, I I understand that that there are generally more left leaning history departments at the doors, like for example, UC Berkeley, and compared to I don't know. The, Parts of rural Alabama, I suppose that that, that kind of university, uh, in particular history departments, will be much, much more conservative. Yeah, I, I, what I was just saying by by referencing the libertarians is that as as the most successful radical movement in history, I think they understood better than the left 
uh, at least uh, the left has since, let's say, 1945, understood the way power operates in American society, or at least the importance of techno-intellectual structures to shaping policy. And I just thought it might be an opportunity that, given uh, that there are so many unemployed PhDs, many of whom are left-wing, uh, for them to organize in ways that would help the polity at large instead of working these degrading uh, these degrading jobs. Um, that, that's all I meant by that. Uh, and obviously there are significant obstacles to that. Most importantly, uh, the right has uh, easy access to billionaires. But I mean, the left also has, uh, I think, people who might be sympathetic like George Soros, or even more importantly, we can make use uh, user, user develop new uh, institutional mechanisms, whether it be some form of union due, whether it be some form of Patreon or, 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 or spontaneous giving to create the types of institutions that could house intellectuals for the purpose of changing policy in the left-wing direction. Um, that's all. I, that's all I, I meant by that. And it, it's really a strategic uh, issue. You know, examining the strategy of a, a very successful movement is something that I think you know the left would benefit from, broadly speaking, the intellectual left. I don't know how how much you you're aware of, of the of the trend of community college, but it seems that now that the tuitions are are hiking and, and keep hiking, that a lot of students, not not just uh, poor students or, or quote unquote non um, non conventional students like the older students and things like that, are, are are going to to community college, but now even more more traditional middle class out of high school students are going to community college. So how should be there the, the, the path of a community college historian? Because it's true that, that doing research and being focused on, 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 on teaching is a very kind of different job. But at the same time, yes. at the same time, it, it should be something different than just a high school history lesson teach all over again. Oh, yeah. I mean, community colleges, I think, are, are fantastic institutions, um, but I just don't think that they're going to solve the jobs crisis in, in, in any meaningful sense, um, or at least they, there's been no suggestion that they'll be able to. Uh, I, I, I know that many of my friends who are um, PhDs are, have been unable to get uh, jobs at community colleges um, in, for a variety of reasons in a variety of locales. So I think that there are institutions that absolutely need to be supported, uh, particularly supported by the state and our tax dollars, um, and ideally would be embedded in a larger system in which people who wanted to pursue a more research-focused degree uh, would be able to go to uh, a larger university after receiving their AA from a uh, history from a community college. So I think they're, they're, they're great institutions, but they're certainly not a, a solve for the academics jobs crisis because, um, I mean, there's just frankly more teaching at community college institutions. They're not necessarily research bodies. And if one wants to be a researcher, it's difficult to do so from a uh, position in a community college as far as I'm able to tell, if not impossible. Another question I was going to ask you, what do you think about the, the Scandinavian model? Because in, in Scandinavia, as far as I know, there is positions of researchers. So there are people that, that are historians, for example, that are universities and they don't teach. They just are, are doing research and publishing research. Yeah. And so do you think that right. position could be developed in the U.S.? I don't think it'll ever happen in the United States, given our peculiar history, but I actually very much like that model of engagement. Um, I think that not everybody needs to be a researcher, uh, just like not everybody needs to be a teacher. People have different interests, and, and in an ideal world, one would be able to uh, to, to choose which one that they, what the, what they want to do. That one would one would be able to choose whether they want to be a teacher or a researcher or one or the other. Uh, I just don't think that it's going to happen in the United in the United States. There's been really no move toward that position ever. The closest we have are um, sorts of these think tank type organizations. 
Um, but I, but I, but I, I think that um, I, I agree with those in principle. I think it's just unlikely to happen in the United States. Yeah, there is a lot of rise of the postdoctoral fellowship and visiting assistant professor, but sometimes some right. people make that that these positions don't necessarily uh, assure a job for for the for the people that are getting getting into this kind of programs. Yes, um, I think that. Uh, One of the consequences of the ending of tenure track jobs is, as you suggested, the rise of these types of postdoctoral and VAP positions. But unlike other fields, like let's say math, where one is expected to do a postdoc for three to four years, and that usually leads to a job as an assistant professor, this doesn't seem to have been the case in history. So what you actually wind up having is people moving for these one-year positions across the country, spending an enormous amount of, of money um, as well as opportunity costs for constantly moving to say nothing of the, the familial costs of you know not being able to be with your partner or to start a family if you would want to do that etc that come from these one-year positions so what winds up happening is that people do that for a year or two they wind up losing a lot of money or people have the family wealth to essentially be able to do that in a coherent way um so i think it, it's a it's a it's a real problem and it's something that the the uh, uh, various humanities and social science professional organizations really need to focus on in a, in a real way um and i think that's um really an important thing to do going forward that 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 these sorts of positions aren't aren't a solution to the tender track jobs crisis and in fact might actually make it worse and that they they enact both short, medium, and long-term harm on the people who accept them. Yeah, I think we, with that reflection, we, we could end. It, it's been a really interesting conversation, Daniel. You have been a really interesting guest, and it's always interesting to, to read you online. Your articles are really thoughtful, and I think it's it's uh, it's a... Um, it's a conversation that, that what is going to be still happening. I mean, history is a very fascinating subject to study, and, and I think many people want to study it despite the problems, but um, I hope that, that in the future the, the things will change. And I agree, and it's an important subject, and I think like one of the things that historians are doing, like, like what you, you yourself are doing, and uh, many other people writing for the public, and, and even just posting on Twitter, I think they're bringing... Um, knowledge of history to the broader public, both knowledge about the facts of history and what actually happened, but also uh, an appreciation of the importance of history to understanding how we are in the world today and, and it, it, it having direct relevance to how we exist in the world. So to end, how do people can find you on, online? Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, uh, you could check out my uh, Twitter handle at, uh, at dbusner. Um, which is my, my Twitter handle, and uh, feel free to DM me and tell me how uh, everything I said was wrong. I, I welcome your comments and critiques. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, then. It has been a pleasure having you in the show. Thanks so much, Camilla. Have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>